Cambridge Muslim College, training the next generation of Muslim thinkers. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalam ala Sayyidina Rasulullah. Thank you very much for the generous introduction. Um, welcome to CMC, everyone. I hope everyone is enjoying the retreat um, as we are. Today, the uh, title of my talk is Finding the Path from Within, Identifying Qualities of the Self. And hopefully, we'll be able to um, see how the discussion of self-reflection and self-knowledge is a wide discussion within our tradition. In this talk, I will be talking about three aspects of self-knowledge or self-reflection, which are highlighted in um, our Islamic tradition. The first one is the theological impact of self-knowledge, how your knowledge of your own self helps you increase your knowledge of the divine Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second and most important for this talk is the significance of self-knowledge in spiritual path, how your knowledge of your own self helps you increase the, um, and elevate your spiritual status, how identifying your own qualities um, give you a better or greater understanding um, of the tariq ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your spiritual path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third, which is um, an implication or a practical implication of the second, is the legal impact. How your knowledge of your own self gives you a greater understanding of your religious responsibilities, responsibilities your, and improve your practice. Um, as for the theological impact, I'd like to start off by the famous narration. Some of you may have already um, heard it, which um, says, those who know themselves know their Lord. Man arifa nafsahu, arifa rabbahu. This narration is um, attributed to the Prophet um, in some weak narrations. Um, yet it is also attributed to Imam Ali ta'ala and as well as in uh, the Sufi works attributed to the uh, famous third century uh, Sufi mystic scholar Yahya ibn Mu'adh al-Radhi. The authenticity of this narration, of, it, of this narration aside, this statement, those who know themselves know their Lord, have, attract, have attracted uh, many scholars to uh, offer uh, insights, some insights on what it means. How is it your knowledge of your own self help you in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Imam al-Nawawi, for example, the famous hadith um, scholar of the 7th, 13th century, he said this narration, which he um, problematizes its attribution to the Prophet وسلم, but he says um, it refers to the contrasting nature of the human being and the divine being, meaning when you realize your, your own nature, you understand by contrast the divine nature. So if you understand um, your temporal nature, then you understand the eternal nature of the divine. Uh, if you understand your annihilation, your fana, then you are uh, able to understand by contrast the baqa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the subsistence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Um, so Ibn Taymiyyah, um, who died only a few decades after Imam uh, al-Nawawi, um, has also offered um, a much more complicated uh, insights on how to understand this narration. He says uh, there are three main ways to understand how your knowledge of your own self or how those who know themselves know the Lord. Uh, the first one, or the first uh, uh, way of understanding this is through the level of reflection, i'tibar. Um, he says, when you know that you have life, and you're alive, or knowledgeable, have certain qualities, then you do understand when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals about himself as having eternal life um, and speech and um, powers. You can understand by the commonalities of these two names. You have a life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a life. Although this, your life is limited and temporal and the divine life is eternal and absolute. But if you don't have this equivalent, or if you don't have this name um, in yourself, you may not be able to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed um, about himself. So in this way, for him, the level of reflection or the level of i'tibar for your own qualities will help you understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed about um, himself. The second level is, a close, is closer to the level Imam and now he has spoken about, which is the level of uh, muqabala, the contrast comparison between human beings and, um, and the divine. Uh, again, your uh, fana is uh, compared to the baqa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your limitness is compared to the absoluteness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third level Ibn Taymiyyah um, talks about is the level of inability, ajz, which actually suggests a sort of reversed interpretation of this saying. The saying goes as, those who know themselves know their Lord, right? Man arifa nafsahu, arifa rabbahu. He says, you are actually unable to know yourself, to know your true self, to actually understand your essence. So if you can't understand your own self, then you will not be able to reach the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is a different um, um, theological um, level of um, understanding the, um, uh, the true nature of the divine, which our limitness uh, will not uh, render this possible. Um, this theological significance of self-knowledge uh, as um, explained in these two examples of Imam Nawawi and Imam uh, Ibn Taymiyyah is also presented in, in the Qur'an. The human self is portrayed as a sign of the divine uh, existence and as a proof against those who do not accept his lordship. Um, in Surah Fussilat, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ We shall show them our signs in the horizons and within themselves until it becomes clear to them that it is the truth. On another ayah from Surah Al-Dhariyat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وفي الأرض آيات للموقنين وفي أنفسكم أفلا تبصرون. 
and on the earth are the signs for those who are certain in, in their face and in yourselves too, do you not see? The indication of these two Quranic verses upon the significance or theological significance of self-knowledge uh, has been emphasized by many uh, of uh, Muslim exegetes, the Mufassirun. Tabari, for example, uh, one of the earliest uh, Mufassirun, he explains that the signs uh, for the oneness of God, for Wahdaniyat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are instilled in our own creation. Reflecting upon these signs would eventually lead to uh, the truth about uh, God. This is a different level uh, than the level of the uh, human covenant, which is mentioned elsewhere in the Quran. Am I not your Lord? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken the covenant from all of the creation before they even come to existence. Uh, that he is um, their Lord. This is the level of actually reflecting on your own creation, on your own body, on your own um, abilities and stages of life, how these would lead you to believe in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, Al-Qurtubi, another jurist and uh, famous uh, mufassir, he says that these two ayat um, are referring not only to the apparent self, your creation and stages of life and so on, but also to the inner signs, uh, by which he means the heart, its abilities to rationalize. And of course, you know that the faculty of rationalization and the ability to, heart, to rationalize is connected in the Islamic tradition to the heart more than um, the mind. Uh, so he says um, the, distinct to, the ability to distinguish between different meanings and different human arts, ulum and funun, uh, all of which call upon the uh, contemplation uh, to the existence of an all-powerful divine being who has uh, granted us all of these uh, powers. The knowledge of uh, your own creation, your own abilities, and are thus the great signs which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has challenged us to reflect upon them and not believe. He says, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبُصِرُونَ Do you not um, see? Um, another great theologian and mufassir, Imam Ar-Razi, takes the theological significance of self-knowledge to a rather greater uh, level uh, when he's claiming that the knowledge, our knowledge of the science instilled in us, in ourselves, in our knowledge of ourselves, is actually a more complete form of knowledge than the knowledge which are um, instilled in the universe or the, on the earth. He says, It is a more complete, it's a more perfect uh, type of knowledge. This is a very powerful statement to describe one's own knowledge of uh, one's self. Uh, but for Razi, the knowledge of yourself is complete because you are the only witness, you are the only shahid of, uh, of this knowledge, you are the only observer of your own uh, being and your own qualities and your own um, self. Um, so this experiential uh, 
uh, form uh, of knowledge for you is stronger than the experimental form of knowledge which you uh, acquire through investigating the science in, um, in the universe. Um, these qualities are different from one another. So the qualities of your being, the qualities of your own self um, are different from one person to another, to another. And hence it also means that uh, the signs which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instilled in every human being are also different and distinct from one person um, to another. Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifests in his creations, in his uh, servants um, differently. Um, this brings us to another fascinating point Imam al-Razi also raises about the significance of self-knowledge in faith. Um, he says that the ayah is positioned in the future. He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, سَنُرِيهُمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ we shall see them, we shall show them uh, our signs in the horizon and within um, themselves. So isn't it that we have already been created, we have already been given um, these signs? He says it is not only that we've been given these signs, it's the ayah is positioned in the future because it's, um, it's a promising continuous, the promise of continuous presentation of an infinite number of signs, a continuous grace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show us the wonders which he implemented um, in ourselves and in this universe until we reach certainty or until we reach um, the truth, the truth becomes, becomes clearer to us. This essentially means that not only that we are different in the qualities which we have been gifted, but we are also different in the um, uh, levels of how we reach certainty. What, what might be sufficient for one person to reach the truth or to reach certainty might not be sufficient uh, for another person. And um, this is a very important point, which I'll come back um, to at the end of, uh, of this lecture. But for Imam Razi, this continuous observation of yourself, continuous observation of your um, outer and inner self uh, gives you the uh, ability to reach different levels of certainties and different levels of haqq, different levels of um, truth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, contemplating on your own creation and observing your own signs um, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is communicating to you is key in um, your spiritual path. Some of the Salaf used to say, I wake up every morning wondering what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, um, uh, is doing with me today, not wondering what uh, I will be doing in my day today. So it's a, it's a very important uh, distinction where you are observing yourself or you are observing um, Allah is doing within uh, yourself or Allah's um, uh, communication to you through uh, yourself. So this is pretty much the much I wanted to highlight on the theological impact of self-knowledge as it's explained by our theologians and mufassirun as well as jurists. The second um, significance of self-knowledge I'd like to highlight in this lecture um, is uh, 
is the spiritual significance, how your self-knowledge is key to spiritual elevation, which is not much different from um, the first one, but um, we are tackling it specifically from um, spirituality, which is often equated with the station of Ihsan, as it's explained in the Hadith of Jibreel, uh, when, uh, when Jibreel asked the Prophet and the Prophet responded is It is that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you see him. If you do not see him, um, he sees uh, you. This is essentially, this station of Ihsan um, is essentially connected with your inner self because the, the continuation or the permanent position of you observing uh, your inner self to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you in every uh, moment um, of your life requires developing an awareness not only of your intentions but before that of your motivations. Um, with uh, your motivation to worship, your motivation to work on your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on. This motivation, uh, which you may not realize you have or you may not realize you do not have, um, is a key to form the uh, correct uh, intentions, which are the key to achieving sincerity in the station of Ihsan. So you start with finding um, your motivation of uh, worship. Um, and how do we get this motivation? Imam al-Harawi, um, in his famous um, uh, spirituality manual called Manazir al-Sairin, Imam al-Harawi died in 481, uh, 5th Hijri century. Um, he writes that the first step in uh, in, in the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has an entire section called Al-Bidayat, the beginnings. And the first of these beginnings, the first of these uh, Bidayat, he says, is the awakening, the Yaqadha, spiritual awakening. Yaqadha for him um, is the means that you find your motivation to walk to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You find your motivation to continue uh, with uh, your uh, worship. He gives three practical uh, advice or three practical steps toward uh, finding this motivation. The first is the heart is awareness of the divine gifts. He says that you realize the gifts which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has um, given you. And the second step is realizing your inability to count these gifts. So there are gifts, but they are, you're not able to um, count them. And the third is, the third step, he says, is focusing on, the, on meeting these gifts with gratitude. So, so focusing on your gratitude toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these three steps are sufficient to build the awakening, build the spiritual yaqadha um, to motivate you to uh, worship um, and to form sincere intentions of your practice. Creating motivation and purifying intentions require practice and spiritual practice, and that is why Sufis um, have developed the concept of riyadatun nafs. Riyadatun nafs um, can be translated as a spiritual self-exercise. 
um, to help seekers to correct and build their spiritual habits gradually and mindfully. Uh, Riyadhatu Nafs is a concept, basic concept which relies on one's understanding of the natural human dispositions uh, which we've been talking about, uh, which have a great role in enhancing our uh, spiritual states. Um, again, Sufis are also convinced that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has incorporated in every person that which aids them in their own path to Allah, and accordingly, they suggest that seekers focus on understanding their own nature before choosing um, their voluntarily acts uh, of worship um, and invocations. Uh, Riyadhatul Nafs uh, is to take an helps you take and abandon practices which need to be uh, done uh, gradually. Uh, the two sides of Riyadhatul Nafs, as it's explained by uh, these Sufi writers, is the first is Takhliya and the second is Tahliya. Takhliya is the concept which when you want to get rid of uh, bad morals or get rid of um, bad habits and the Tahliya is a concept which uh, refers to acquiring morals and acquiring spiritual um, habits, both of which are, um, uh, both of which require practice. And there is a very crucial uh, point in calling this practice or this uh, concept Riyadhatul Nafs, because it is very much compared to uh, Riyadhatul Jasad, a physical exercise. In physical exercise, there are commonalities. Everyone has to have certain nutritions, everyone has to uh, move and do exercises in certain ways, but there are also distinct uh, advice that everyone is given based on what they want to achieve from their physical exercise or where do they want um, to go with uh, this, whether or not you want to lose weight, then you have a certain program, you want to uh, gain muscles or strength, you have different set of, um, uh, of programs. Some people uh, never choose to take upon themselves as a physical exercise or a physical program, and they may end up losing or they may end up missing out health uh, benefits and uh, physical benefits. But in the spiritual uh, exercise or the Riyadhatul Nafs, some people also may never actually have this awakening, have this yaqada and need of starting um, a spiritual exercise of their own. But what they are missing out is much more than the benefits of um, religious practice, the pleasures that you get from Ma'iyatillah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the companionship of the divine, but you also miss out in the objective of your life altogether. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us for this purpose, so if we don't work on this spiritual uh, practice or spiritual exercise, you miss, you're missing out on the objective of your own uh, creation. But again, uh, 
just like physical exercise, spiritual exercise have commonalities. Everyone have to uh, do certain acts of worship. But there are also the um, spiritual exercise which are distinct to everyone based on their own qualities and based on where they are and they where, where they want um, to go, which again calls for um, an understanding of these qualities in, uh, in the first instant. Um, and this is one of the points which are highlighted um, so many, um, in so many occasions by Muslim um, Sufi writers. Um, Imam Ahmad uh, Zarruq, who is a 16th century Moroccan uh, jurist and uh, Sufi, who's also written as a standard handbook of Islamic spirituality called Qawa'ad al-Tasawwuf. Um, on this point, he states, whatever is incorporated in one's nature is an aid to obtaining what it seeks, depending on one's capacity. This is why it has been said, if a child leans, uh, learns that which his soul is inclined to, he will become a leader in it. If a seeker embraces the invocations, the azkar, and prayers that his true self prefers, um, these will aid him or her to reach uh, their goals by his continually to do so. As long as uh, their determination does not diminish, God will aid them, will aid his servants in accordance with their intentions and what, uh, what you start in a state of spiritual expansion is more likely to last. Um, in this quotation, he is um, emphasizing two things. One of them is how your current state, your self-qualities impact the, uh, your choice of the voluntarily acts of worship or of the, even the azkar that you um, undertake. And some scholars would actually say you need to start testing out some awrad or some azkar to figure out which one have more impact on you and which one your soul can easily um, undertake than the other, than other um, awrad or other voluntarily acts of worship. The second point which he is highlighting here is um, that starting with the uh, state of embisat or uh, spiritual expansion is more likely, if you start a worship with this state of embisat, your worship is more likely to last longer than if you start something which is very heavy on yourself or very heavy on your soul. And here he is fundamentally responding to another method of spiritual exercise, mostly known as jihad al-nafs, which is the most common and most famous uh, form of spiritual exercise that you need to resent yourself, you need to have um, uh, to be hard on yourself and to uh, struggle to um, uh, habituate yourself to doing in, in, to, in doing certain acts of worship. Uh, for him, the jihad and nafs works better in the takhliya part of spiritual exercise. When you are trying to get rid of uh, ma'asi, get rid of sins that you, you're doing, get rid of bad habits, 
But if in the tahliya part, in the uh, gaining virtues and gaining morals part, he says the state of inbasat, the state of being in accordance with what your self um, uh, more inclined toward is more effective. Just like a child, if you teach um, a little kid something which they hate, they probably are not going to be good at doing for a long period of time. But if you know that they like drawing, for example, and then you try to encourage them to, to practice this habit or this skill which they already like, they are more likely to become masters in, um, in doing so. So with this analogy, he's bringing the attention to how self-exercise or self-spiritual exercise is not only about defeating your ego and defeating um, your self-desires, but it is also about finding out the, um, the acts of worship or the invocation, the azkar, the awrad, which uh, your um, true self um, is more inclined to continue doing the, uh, to continue their practice. Um, as the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked about the most uh, the actions which pleases Allah Subhanahu wa Taala most, he says, wa in the permanent of actions, even if they are um, small. So it is more likely that you start with something that you are inclined toward or has a greater impact on your spirituality, even if it is smaller than another um, act of worship or uh, easier than another act uh, of worship that you choose to undertake just because it is um, hard on yourself or is it, it is difficult um, on yourself. So this idea is fundamental. Um, uh, in uh, understanding the spiritual path and how you can work uh, toward elevating and enhancing uh, it through your self-knowledge or through your understanding of your own distinct qualities. Um, uh, Zarruq also states, um, continues in this uh, meaning, he says, um, whoever works toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through their innate disposition, their arrival will be uh, closer than their own self. Whoever works toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through abandoning their innate disposition, their arrival will be uh, to the degree uh, they detach themselves from their disposition. I'm going to read this in Arabic because it's quite um, technical. He says, "Man sara ila Allah min haythu tabi'ihi, kana al-wusul akrab ilayhi min tabi'ihi. Wa man sara ila Allah bil bu'di an tabi'ihi, kana al-wusuli min ala qadri bu'dihi an tabi'ihi." So he, he was quite critical of uh, this idea of jihad and nafs to the extent that he claims that the person who chooses to work toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through, uh, through being against themselves, against their taba, against their innate disposition, they will arrive, but their arrival will be to the extent of how they were successful in uh, going against or in diminishing this taba, diminishing this uh, innate disposition, while a person who chooses to work 
to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through their innate disposition, through their own self, uh, their uh, arrival to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be closer than their own innate self. So it's as if you're going through yourself, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you to him. So there isn't the mediation of taba which you want to defeat before you arrive. So this mediation, which um, other uh, Sufi mystics have uh, uh, focused more on for uh, Imam Ahmad Zarruq, uh, is uh, can actually be a struggle in the path rather than be um, uh, an advantage. من سار إلى الله من حيث طبعه كان الوصول أقرب إليه من طبعه ومن سار إلى الله بالبعد عن طبعه كان وصوله على قدر بعده عن طبعه إمام ابن عطاء السكندري is also an author of a great book of a person الحكم العطائية has a very interesting advice on this regard he says لا تأخذ من الأذكار إلا ما تعينك القوى النفسانية عليه بحبه. He says, do not use or do not undertake um, any invocations, any adhkar, except those which your inner soul, your inner uh, self uh, uh, aids you or help you to say them through loving them. So loving the azkar or being closer to the azkar which you undertake is uh, for him very essential um, as it helps you continue doing, continuously doing um, them. So f- on, these, on this point, I'd like to conclude that Riyadat al-Nafs starts with the understanding of the self and its nature, its inclinations, its desires, and its capacities. Only then we may be able to habituate ourselves and refine um, its intentions. Uh, all are in hope of achieving the status of ihsan or the status of um, uh, conscious sincerity and turning toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, the, uh, and it is through this basic concept of riyadat al-nafs that understanding one's intentions and refining one's intentions enable us to build spiritual habits gradually and permanently and mindfully, inshallah. Um, this, this idea of Riyadat al-Nafs and uh, how it is presented in Islamic spiritual manuals have also been um, uh, affected by various uh, or influenced by various, various prophetic uh, reports and prophetic traditions with noting the relationship between Nabi Sallallahu and his companions and the Sahaba Often we see many narrations where he gives different instructions to different um, individuals from his uh, companions. And scholars have analyzed some of these narrations or some of these reports to see why he would give an advice to a person and another uh, which seems to be uh, opposite uh, to another person. So for example, the Prophet walks in his mosque one day and he finds Imam um, 
uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq praying while um, um, uh, praying very quietly, no, with no uh, voice at all. Uh, so he asked him, why do you play too quietly while it was a night prayer? He says, um, I'm praying to a person, uh, I'm praying to the one who does not require voice for hearing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can hear me without um, any voice. And, um, and he, the Prophet asked him to, uh, to pray with a little bit of voice. And then on another day, he works in the mosque and he finds Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab uh, praying really loudly, like very loudly. And he says, why do you, why do you pray too loudly? He says, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab says, um, uh, to scare off shaitan and to uh, wake up people who are asleep. And then the Prophet asked him to pray quietly. So it must be that the Prophet has seen a quality in Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab which needed refining by asking him, by giving him this spiritual instruction not to pray too loudly. And he has also seen a quality, a particular quality in Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq which required this particular spiritual um, uh, instruction, spiritual advice to him. And similar ones even to do with uh, prayers, not only the way to do, uh, to do them, prayers and fasting and the basic um, acts of worship. Uh, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar um, has sworn to fast and never uh, break his fast ever. And when the Prophet heard that, he asked him not to, con to, to make continuous fasting, and he gave him an advice to um, either uh, fast one day and break their fa his fast um, another day, or just fast Mondays and Thursdays and three days of every week. And uh, he took the um, advice of fasting at one day and um, uh, breaking the fast the other day, while someone like uh, Al-Aslami, another uh, companion of the Prophet Sallallahu um, uh, was once in his, in travel, and you know in travel you have the, the dispension to break your fast, and he was fasting a voluntarily act of fasting, uh, which he did not want to break, so he asked the Prophet, and the so Prophet admitted him on um, his continuous fasting, and he didn't ask him to um, uh, to break his fast. Uh, similarly, Ahl al-Sufa, who are like Ahl al-Tajreed, the uh, companions of Sufa, the people who used to um, dedicate their lives to the uh, to worship, so they, and they were fed by generous uh, Sahaba, the Prophet um, has never asked them to get out of this state of Tajreed, of this state of uh, to uh, to acquire uh, money or to 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 have certain uh, jobs, uh, while he has done so with other companions, who uh, who he asked them to uh, seek uh, jobs uh, for their own uh, living. So the significance. Um, and of course, the many, many more examples of the instructions between the Prophet ﷺ and his Sahaba shows his great attention 
to the differences of qualities that they have and how these different qualities require different spiritual instructions. And this is very important because so often not only that we misprescribe to ourselves what we, uh, uh, what the most suitable uh, spiritual instruction for us, but we also do that in others. When someone is seeking our advice for um, any religious or spiritual matter, we tend to usually give them the advice which would have worked for us. But recognizing these differences are very important, not only in your practice, but also in your um, uh, advice and help and support that you may be offering to um, uh, your uh, brothers and sisters. Um, I will, uh, I will conclude this um, spiritual aspect of uh, significant of uh, self-knowledge in a spiritual in a spirituality with this very interesting and uh, heartwarming uh, statement by Imam Anas uh, ibn Malik, which shows that we are not only affected by our qualities and the qualities of our companions, we are also affected by their mere existence and their states. He says, ما نفضنا التراب عن أيدينا من دفنه عليه الصلاة والسلام حتى أنكرنا قلوبنا. He says, uh, we had barely wiped our hands of the earth dust in which we buried the Prophet Sallallahu uh, then we had uh, started to deny our hearts or not be able to recognize our hearts. This basically is for him or from, from him is a way for us to understand that this, our own spiritual states will also affect the people um, around around us, so we have to be very mindful and careful of how we uh, present ourselves and how we are able to recognize these spiritual states. Um, I'm quite running out of time, so I'm just going to uh, touch upon the third aspect of this talk and the third and last, which is how the significance of um, self-knowledge um, helps you improve your worship or your uh, practice or your ibadah. As mukallifun, uh, or religiously uh, responsible persons, uh, we have general and specific religious uh, responsibilities. Everyone has to fast Ramadan, everyone has to fast uh, five uh, days, uh, five, have to pray five times a day. But within the Islamic law, there is a great uh, recognition of the variations of states and abilities and needs, which in turn affect our religious obligations or religious um, responsibilities. For example, financial uh, status impacts whether or not you pay zakat, or whether or not you perform uh, pilgrimage, your health impacts whether or not you, would, uh, you have to uh, fast Ramadan or perform prayers in, in a specific um, kind of uh, way. But these are mostly external factors and uh, to do with like the bodily uh, um, uh, abilities. 
which are also very important and um, uh, significant in the Islamic tradition. In Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah does not charge a soul except that which is within its capacity. This means that one needs to um, first figure out this capacity in order for them to better identify their religious responsibilities. But it also means that the ayah is not only referring to the uh, physical capacities or the apparent capacities, but it also referring to the inner capacity, the inner qualities, what you can bear, what you can um, take upon uh, in your spiritual path can be uh, uh, very much associated with your weaknesses, your strengths, your struggles, your experiences, um, and so on. So on this point, I would like to highlight that the level of understanding of your nature and its significance in, um, in, uh, in your worship or in your ibadah lies in understanding ibadah not as um, uh, bodily actions, but as qualities or as self-qualities, which basically it's a wider uh, view of uh, ibadah, which encompasses everything that you uh, you do, you feel, you uh, you practice, um, which um, the, and also realizing the objective of this ibadah that it ma what matters is that it is in accordance with the truth, with the haqiqa, and not uh, how difficult uh, it is or how. Um, difficult performing it um, is. Uh, we have to understand that the reward of our worship is based on our sincere intentions and motivations and not based on the hardship or the difficulty in performing them. And that's why scholars, many scholars have been saying that the remembrance of God, dhikr, uh, recitation, uh, acquiring knowledge are greater in um, in reward than physical qualities and physical actions, although physical actions are harder, or most, of, most often harder um, to do. The Prophet ﷺ, when someone, uh, one of the Sahaba went to him and asked and, and said, uh, the wealthy uh, people have basically taken up all the rewards. They pray as we pray, they fast as, they, as uh, we fast, but they also uh, give all of these charitable uh, deeds and um, uh, spend on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet's response was to this uh, questioner was, you say subhanallah, alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. So he, he instructed him to say dhikr, he didn't say, well, work hard and acquire more money and spend it and then you will get the reward. He was referring him to the fact that all of these are equal in the scale of uh, reward if pure intention is in place. It doesn't matter how much you're giving, how much you are um, doing. What matters is how sincere um, you're giving or you're doing is uh, toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, it's a very interesting um, question because in Islamic spiritual manuals, you find often um, uh, the discussion 
about ibadah being qualities, not um, actions connected um, to um, these hadith and delights. So they say that um, generosity, giving, is a quality of the self, even if you don't have anything to give. Forgiving is a quality of the self, even if you don't have anyone to uh, forgive. And the opposite is also true. You may be given so much, but you're not a generous person. And you may be saying that you're forgiving people, but you're not um, a forgiving uh, person. Uh, so accordingly, seekers must understand that overwhelming themselves by committing to too many acts of worship is not the way to go. What matters here is um, you spend more time working on the inner qualities and purifying the, uh, your intentions in doing everything which you are um, doing, which in turn will uh, increase your motivation, correct your uh, niya, raise your level of faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as well as help you uh, increase your um, relationship with Allah. So just to conclude, because I'm realizing I'm running out of time, the points I highlighted uh, in, in this lecture were concerned with the uh, significance, the theological, spiritual, and legal significance of understanding uh, oneself and reflecting upon the distinct qualities of um, uh, every human being and its role in impacting the level of their faith, spirituality, and worship. It is very important to also remember that um, the human disposition, fitra, is one, which is the commonality, the space of commonality I, um, I talked about throughout the lecture. But the human, the human essence is one, but the individual path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as as many as the people who are undertaking uh, these uh, paths. And in the famous uh, Sufi saying, the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by the number of the people who are working them, emphasizes these uh, uh, individuality in uh, the path or, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Ibn al-Arabi, and I'll, I'll conclude here. Ibn al-Arabi, the famous Sufi mystic, uh, it suppresses this um, uh, singularity of fitra and commonality of, uh, commonality of fitra and singularity of self-path or self-spiritual path in a beautiful um, uh, poem when he says, Al-Aynu wahidatun wal-hukmu mukhtalifu. Uh, so the essence is one, yet the rulings are different. He says, Light has no color which distinguishes it, uh, but it is the reflections, but it is its reflections on glass which take colors. So basically he is saying that the light which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gift all his creations is one. We all receive the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we're different just like glass. So whenever that light is reflected on the glass, it takes the color of, um, of this glass. 
So generally, this is a call to spend more time trying to unfold our inner internal path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through realizing our distinct qualities, distinct human qualities. Um, and, um, and this is also will uh, help us realize our own and distinct spiritual strength and the path within which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted each one of us individually. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Thank you. Cambridge Muslim College, training the next generation of Muslim thinkers.